and welcome to OperaCast, Cardiff Singer of the World special. We're going to be here all this week uh, reviewing the heats as they happen over in Cardiff. Uh, this world-famous competition, the Olympics, the World Cup, the Champions League of Singing, if you will. Whether you can watch it live, you're not able to watch it, or you just want to relive the action, we'll be here for you all this week. My name is David Warden, here to recap Heat 1. I'm joined by the producer, Louise Garner. Hello, Louise. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Not at all. Before we start, let's hear from Dame Kiri herself, who won the first heat this evening. Well, thank you very much. Yet again, we start off on some amazing singers. I did, would not like it to have been a judge this evening. It's just far too difficult. But I have the uh, result here. And it is... Ming Jae Lei. So as we heard there, it was the Chinese tenor Ming Ji Lee who won this evening's heat. Uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts of the competitors, uh, Ming Ji, uh, a worthy winner? I think so. Um, he had really great stage presence. Obviously, the audience loved him at home. I was sitting on the sofa thinking, yes, this is what we needed. Yeah, a, a beautiful, beautiful voice um, and clearly an audience favour over there in, in Cardiff. Um, we'll come on to Ming-Ji in a moment. Let's start with the first competitor of the evening. That was Richard Olasaba from the USA. Um, and from my point of view, from the moment he stepped on stage, from the very first note, we knew that we were in for a, a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, he, he just didn't really come across with quite the vigour that we needed. Um, also, I thought he was... He did warm up, to be fair, as he kind of went through his pieces however uh, i thought you meant before you went on stage but you oh meant no. it, yeah I, I, I hope you would have warmed up yeah i think they make them warm up yeah um, yeah uh but yeah he just didn't really have the oomph that we needed I've, I've actually written down in my notes a little bit dead behind the eyes which is maybe slightly unfair but i think he was nervous i i think you could just see it in the way he was sort of standing there hoping that everything would go right and i think for me he, he started with with a bit of cenerentola the rossini and there were some moments there where he sort of settled in and you could see him thinking, OK, we're getting through this. We've done two minutes. I've only mm. got, you know, 17 left. <laughs> um, it was very steady. It was very unspectacular. Yeah, um, and, and the best thing he did was the Escamillo. And that is a very safe piece in itself that isn't too hard to get wrong. Yeah, I, it's really unfortunate to say, but the the final piece he did was the Escamillo, the Toreador song, a really straightforward song, a straightforward character, and um, I'm afraid for Richard that suited him him perfectly. I think I, I think there was a bit of nerves, and we started off, I say, with the Cenerentola, um, very steady, um, but no great variety. He went on to Figaro, um, again, again, I thought a very steady performance. He was certainly performing for the audience, but there was there was no inspiration there. Um, and then the Escamillo, yes, his best effort. Um, but was a rather dull choice, and I was slightly worried as to what was going to come for the rest of the evening after <laughs> that start. Um, but it started to pick up, and, and it almost kind of got better and better as the evening went along. Um, after Richard, we had the Russian mezzo, Karina Kerunts, um, with a, an interesting programme, Rossini and Rimsky-Korsakov. What did you make of Karina? I think she had a really nice colour to her voice. Um, I think that, again, it was quite samey for me, both the pieces she did. Um, that kind of stuff obviously suits her well, but again, I wasn't really blown away, to be honest. Yeah, there was, again, it sounds kind of stereotypical to say it, but there's a real kind of Russian sound, a really deep, big mezzo voice from Karina, um, which suited the Tancredi, I thought, uh, very well. Um, a very intense performer, not always a good thing, 
Um, I think amplified again when you're watching at home. She really looks as though she's kind of staring daggers at you down the <laughs> down the camera, which I think would have <laughs> filled a filled a hall better. Um, I think similar to Richard, there were moments where she, you you felt she was she was feeling comfortable in the Rossini. She was just sort of thinking, yes, let's keep going. Um, not always in the moment. No. But what I think was very different to Richard, and this was the Rossini and even more the Rimsky-Korsakov, here was someone who really felt at home in her voice, completely comfortable, which isn't actually always the thing you want from a competition, but she always felt in control. She always felt as though she was in her um, element. And there was clearly a great voice there, but perhaps she didn't push herself enough. I'd say that's fair. And it, what I found quite funny as well, that she was obviously practicing right till she walked on. She had a little chat with the conductor just before she came on. And, and that's, that's the advantage of watching it at home. Before yeah. before she stepped on stage, if you were in the hall this evening, you, were, you won't have seen this, um, but there were clearly some last second nerves. She was having a little chat to the conductor, telling her how to do something. Um, and the conductor was sort of going, yes, you know, yeah, we, we need to go now. We've had the rehearsals. It's time for us to go on. You know, you could clearly see there was some, there was some nerves there. Um, which again I thought was interesting to start with the Rossini, um, a big sing, a long first song, um, and I think clearly she was more comfortable in the in the Rimsky. So a, an interesting choice to go first. Um, but I think she did pretty well. The Rimsky Korsakov, the second song, um, I think was uh, a better performance. Really confident in the voice, but again, maybe a wee bit complacent. Mm. Never really sort of reached a stage of kind of inspiration. I thought. Um, I think that's fair. So she offered more, but we were building. Um, we were building then to Mingji, who ended up winning. Um, tell us a little bit about what, uh, if you haven't heard the uh, this 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 performer, what to expect from him. Well, he's obviously got the best stage presence of the evening. I thought um, he had a nice timbre to his voice. He was able to hold the audience, I think, on his uh, long long notes near the end of his performances. Um, he was just yeah, a sort of breath of fresh air. I think. Yeah, he was. The completely the opposite of intense wasn't he? he was absolutely delightful from the vt at the beginning where he said he was delighted to be in cardiff because he loved castles <laughs> um to the the wonderfully awkward Hug, moment like on stage when he, he kind of crossed with the conductor <laughs> and they didn't really know what to do and she was still <laughs> giggling when the baton went down for the f- for the first piece i mean he was just a really delightful presence and um, we started off with the trojans berlioz every note was golden he was so likable it was it was just absolutely beautiful pure bel canto sort of singing really wasn't it absolutely gorgeous we then went into the cosipantute um again very beautiful very well judged a true kind of artist um at that stage we had two very similar performances it's fair to say yeah um he was coming to us he was saying look here is my beautiful beautiful voice enjoy um he then pushed himself a little bit more we ended with a uh, cenerentola um which I actually felt was much more of a struggle for him. He was really pushing himself at that stage. Um, and as beautiful as the voice was, there was definitely room for improvement, I felt, in the Rossini. Yeah, again, I just think it was nice to hear something different from him. Um, so maybe I wasn't necessarily concentrating so much on that. I think he, you know, I didn't feel like uh, he was struggling as much as maybe you did on the high notes. Um, and it's it's obvious again from the audience reaction that he was really, they really liked it in the hall as well. Yeah, I mean th- there there is a big question here. I mean obviously, the judges are in the hall, the audience are there. When you're in your career, you're, you're going to be performing in front of live audiences. But obviously, we're sitting watching it at home. Um, and I think something we keep coming back on the pod is that more and more opera is being consumed 
in cinemas, on television screens, on, on laptops. Um, there is something to be said about how does a performer reach through the screen as well as the, the live performance. And, you know, look, this isn't one of the criteria for Cardiff Singer, but I think it's something we're going to come on to more and more. I mean, what would be good is if uh, in the future when they do some recordings, it's not you don't have to turn your telly up to volume 80, which is what we had to do yeah, this evening. A, a few little problems with the broadcast and some of the song prizes as well, which I'll mention at the end. They've had a few technical difficulties um, as well and certainly there's been a lot of mutterings about the lack of Cardiff singing you can watch on the telly which um, again we'll we'll come on to in a, in, in a moment and um, to, to, to finish on uh, on this particular performer Mingji I mean the Chenna Rentler he's got all the notes gorgeous singing so comfortable at the top you would have absolutely no qualms about him hitting those notes I think for me the, when he tried to put a bit more weight behind the tone when he had some of those longer more powerful lines when you've got this um, kind of extraordinary, kind of fast, kind of patter stuff. He, uh, for me, he was he was lacking in those moments. Still a beautiful performer. Um, so I mean, he was obviously the, the judges' choice, which potentially said more about the competition than his talent. Maybe that's a little bit a little bit unfair. Mm. Um, for me, my favorite of the evening actually was the next performer, and that was Lauren Fagan from Australia, a soprano. She stepped on stage. Alcina Handel for me instantly commanded um fantastic voice fantastic depth to the voice absolutely hit it out of the park um i didn't detect any sort of sense of nerves she was there to give us what she had and she had a lot to give yeah and again if you didn't see the broadcast version she very confidently strode out with no prompting needed um from backstage um absolutely just ready to go um, and very very confident. I think the, the, someone said that she had been singing that that role quite recently as well, which probably helped her. Um, but yeah, completely commanding. Um, she was really really good. Yeah, a lot of variety in that program as well. So we started with the Handel. We then moved on to the Soir Angelica. Again, very authoritative. I mean, I, I think the things that they were saying on the broadcast, which I, I do agree with, was that could we have had more variety? Could we have had more vulnerability? I mean. The Soir Angelica is, is all about being vulnerable. And yes, you know, having to project that through a big, um, uh, powerful song. But actually, could she have had more variety in the voice? Should, should, could she have let the voice go a little bit more? Um, that was a question I did have about the performance. But certainly, you know, again, very well-rounded, very well-acted. Uh, we moved on the end to Stravinsky, The Rake's Progress. Really nice, interesting program. She was someone who was very keen to show us everything that she could do. Yeah, and I like that, and I think that's actually really important. And I think, again, what we were saying earlier about maybe um, Richard, who did the first lot, he didn't maybe give us as much as we needed in terms of variety. So it was really good to see that she was giving us so much different material, really. Um, the one thing I would say about her rake's progress, though, is her diction wasn't always there, um, especially in sort of the first section of it. That I was I was actually really struggling to... S- to know what she was saying yeah I mean, again like a lot of the other performers she really did leave the, the trickiest till last um again it, uh, for me it was a very good effort interesting you know many will remember that louise older also performed um uh, this piece in the uh, cardiff singer 2017 i mean i wondered actually if lawrence was even a, a slightly better performance in some way than louise older's but you know that's uh, that's for, for others to, to judge um i really thought she took us on the journey of the song she had all the fireworks but again, like with the Puccini, could she have offered us more vulnerability? You know, I love performers who are not afraid to occasionally 
break the voice or lessen the, the beauty or intensity of the voice if it gives us something in the character. Um, and that's something I'm not sure she was prepared to do for us. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it's all subjective. Like, I, I got shivers in both her um, Star Angelica performance and Rake's Progress performance uh, on her final note. So um, maybe you didn't. I did. And I'm sure, you know, everyone's got a different opinion on these things, really. Yep. And as we always say, competitions are subjective. And that's why we all like to have a little bit of a... Uh, a chat and argument about it about it afterwards and then we finished with a really interesting competitor from new zealand julian van mellets um and a real contrast say to the the tenor mingji that that, that won mingji beautiful voice absolutely beautifully rounded golden notes julian the complete opposite not that he um is not a good singer of course but he was very much about the performance the acting the intensity of the performance and the voice had a a lot lacking in terms of kind of the beauty stakes a very small thin voice um but for me he really made up for it in the presentation of the songs yeah and again nice variety in a way um especially with his last piece that he did um which i'm sure you'll you'll talk about um but essentially yeah again i found that it was a bit underwhelming um I didn't get as much depth from him as, as the, some of the other competitors. Um, I'm sure he'll do very well. Um, and he seems like he's a really likeable guy. Um, he's, again, as you said, done the acting, did the acting very, very well. Um, but yeah, I just think he, it, it was going to be a struggle for him to really compete with those others that had gone before him. Yeah, I mean, we, he opened with the, the Kolngolder, Die Dode Stadt, um, and very clear... From from the very start of that, that you know the the voice was never going to be able to take him where he might want to go. Um, but for me, again, the most the most affecting kind of compelling actor we had. Um, and again, in, in contrast to say Lauren, you know he he knew that the voice couldn't do everything he wanted it to, but he was very happy to make um, allowances to push it as much as it much as it could. And we really heard that in the Marla leader that came next. He uses he used everything that the voice could offer. Um, but that really kind of pointed him out as a great song singer, someone who's kind of um, uh, variety and, and passion in the voice, um, and much better in kind of a smaller um, environment. Um, we had the Britain's Billy Bud, which actually I really, really enjoyed. Very, very understated interpretation. Very happy to be still. And that was something that he could play to the strengths of that kind of much smaller voice that he does have. Um, and then you mentioned we, we finished with a Copeland song, um, which is a great kind of fun way to end the evening. Yeah, um, it was a bit random, if I'm going to be totally honest. But... A, a bit random, but in terms of variety, again, he was quite clear that he was going to go out there, show us everything that he, he could do to the very kind of uh, best ability that he, he could. I mean, I sound very kind of down on him. I think it's just because, you know, the acting was so kind of compelling, but the voice was so different to anything else that we heard in terms of... Um, its depth, its its breadth, um, but I I think we could potentially be seeing a a finalist, maybe even a winner of the song competition. I know he's done quite a lot of um, leader and, and song before, and you can see why that's his home. Oh yeah, he felt he, you could tell he felt so much more comfortable as soon as the Marla started. I think. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be seeing him in the song competition. Uh, I think it's tomorrow afternoon with the final coming up later on in the week. So we'll see how he does in that. So Mingji was um, the winner. Um, it's worth saying they have four heats, but five people go through to the final. So you have one winner in each heat 
and then at the end of the fourth heat, the jury pick a wildcard entry. Uh, and we almost remember that last year's wildcard entry was actually the eventual winner, Katrina Morrison. So if you're the wildcard, you're still very much with a, a chance of winning the competition. So if any of these four who didn't win this evening might be a wildcard, who might it be? Well, I think it's obvious what we're going to say. I think Lauren is probably the one that would go through on a wild card um, because of the performance she gave. Again, the audience were clearly um, enamoured with her as well. Um, so I, if it was anyone from this, I think it would have to be Lauren. But obviously, can't say for certain because we haven't heard any of the other heats yet. We shall see indeed. Um, it's worth saying that if you pop onto iPlayer, not only can you watch Heat 1, uh, that we've just discussed, but also the first couple of rounds of the song competition as well, if that's your cup of tea. Um, some interesting performances in there. Um, I think it's fair to say that none of the five that we've heard this evening have yet taken part. Um, so if you want to get a preview of what's to come in the main prize finals this week, you can hear a lot of the uh, other entrants to come up in those early song prize competition rounds. So don't forget that we'll be here all week. We'll be back tomorrow in the studio to recap Heat 2 of the main prize final where I'll be joined by the conductor, Ben Crick. So thank you very much indeed, Louise, for joining us today. No problem. I hope I did a better interview than Dame Kiri at the start of the uh, Oh gosh, that was, yeah, that was a very weird way to start. I don't know if you kind of caught it either in the hall or, or on the television. Um, there's a very awkward interview between Kiri and Petrock to start off with where sort of asked her about the competition. She said they were already thinking about the next one, um, almost as though she was kind of... Churning out singers and not yeah, really caring. Church, yeah, kind of churning out with them. You know, she said that all of the singers were very precious. Um, uh, she seemed as though she didn't really want to be there, which was a bit odd. And then he obviously asked her a question where she wanted some more... He wanted some more depth from her, something else from her to say, and she just kind of said, focus. And there was sort of some awkward tittering in the... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really want to comment on the BBC broadcast too much, but um, there were <laughs> some odd odd things in there, yet yeah, the sound quality for us at, us at home was, was quite poor. The Some of the interviewing and some of the features were a little bit odd. Random. Um, the thing I find most off-putting, and I understand why they do it, but you can see clearly that lights go down in the hall for the singers to sing, yet the jury are all sort of lit up and how off-putting must that be for the singers? Yeah. You, you, mu you must be used to singing to a dark hall where you can't see anyone. And then suddenly it's like, here are these five brightly lit people who you know it's the biggest night of your life. Yeah, that must be really, really hard. And you can see when you hit a bum note and they write something down. You can see when yeah. they're falling asleep. Oh, gosh, it's, it's, ab it's absolutely... And they've horrible. got the music in front of them as well. So they're, they are literally checking yeah, that judging you're... Judging note by note. Yeah. Um, but fair play to the five singers, yes, you know. Oh no, they were, uh, and I feel like we've been a little bit negative. Um, they were all excellent, um, but it is a competition, and you do have to kind of nitpick a little bit. Yeah, you've got to try and find ways to kind of pick them, pick them apart. But a worthy winner this evening. We look forward to him going through to the final on Saturday. Um, so do make sure to join us tomorrow for Heat Two. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to OperaCast on your favourite podcast platforms. If you've um, got any comments on anything that we've said today you agree you disagree do get in touch very easy to do so info at operacast.co.uk you can find us on twitter at operacastpod and on facebook and instagram at operacast before i go a date for your diary operacast live 
Monday, the 26th of August at 2pm at our home at Chapel FM. We're going to have a live podcast recording. It's free to attend with a special festivals-themed edition. So put that date in the diary, Monday, the 26th of August, 2pm at Chapel FM as part of the Leeds Opera Festival. So join us then and join us tomorrow for Heat 2. To play us out, here is Heat 1's winner, Mingji Lee, the tenor from China.